Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Tim Fisher is certified as a CSP, CHMM, CPEA, ARM, STS, CAE, and is Director of Standards and Technical Services with ASSP since 1995. Fisher provides direction in the overall administration and operations of the technical aspects of ASSP-related standards programs and publications. Prior to joining ASSP, he was Facilities and Operations Manager in the insurance industry, and he served in the U.S. Air Force in fire protection and flight line search and rescue. A professional member of ASSP, Fisher holds an MS in Industrial Management, Safety, and Industrial Hygiene from Northern Illinois University, an MA in Public Administration from University of Illinois, Chicago, and a BA in Management from the University of Maryland University College. Hey, Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show and having the chance to talk about standards and safety. Yeah, the opportunity to be able to talk about this kind of stuff to me excites me and obviously excites you too. We're kind of strange that way. Maybe that's us with our three-letter words. We'll start that with T. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Tim and Ted. <laughs> so can you kind of give a, a brief background about yourself to our listeners? Sure. Well, actually, I would say I'm one of these strange people. I've actually been in safety since I was 19 years old. And I got into it basically from when I was in the service. I worked in fire protection and all that good stuff. After I got out, I worked in the insurance industry for about 10 years and facility safety and engineering and management. And uh, I've always been the standards and regulatory guy. And in 1995, I joined ASSP originally as its manager of governmental affairs and standards. And I became the director of the department in 2001. And I've been with the society ever since. So a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast, I know and have probably worked with many times in the past. And obviously very passionate about it. Try to be. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of people would think, eh, standards and regulations, it can be a little tedious. And it's actually the opposite. There's always something going on. There's always something new. There's just a lot of things that take place. If it's one thing I would say for people that are listening to this podcast, get involved. We need you. Yeah, I think that's great advice. How do safety and health professionals use consensus standards really to identify work-related hazards, exposures, or stuff like that in the different areas that they're working in? It's a good question, and it's a big thing that we actually get all the time because people are saying that, for people listening, we get a lot of this, eh, who cares? It's yeah. a waste of time. <laughs> it's all we care about is compliance or that type of thing. And I said, one thing I would say on the call today, I think that's a big mistake. And so at ASSC, for example, we're not in any way denigrating OSHA or state plans or the state fire marshal and all that good stuff. But a lot of those rules are quite old. It takes a long time to write a federal or state standard or rule. 
So when we talk about occupational safety and health standards, they're really used in a couple of ways that I think should interest people on this podcast. So one, for example, is what's called a citation by reference. And that means that the government says, hey, Ted Carew, you are going to use this standard in your workplace. And a good example of that are the eye and face protection standards, the Z87 standards. And so what does OSHA says? OSHA basically says you're going to use the Z87 protector or you're going to be able to show that the protector you're using meets Z87. Well, what employer or organization wants to go out and do all the testing and everything? So you use right. the Z87 protector. So that's a good example of a citation by reference. Another one is what they call a 5A1, and that's a general duty clause proceedings. And that is used very often with certain standards, confined spaces comes to mind that I've seen a lockout tag out. And that is that the old general duty clause uh, situation, that is what is the government and the state plans, because remember that OSHA isn't all federal, there are also state plans as well. And what they say there is, you should have known about this hazard and uh, this standard addresses that. So you will see that used as well. And then I also throw in the litigation aspect into that as well. So that's another area, but the area I see an awful lot of our standards used and why people should care is what I would call a settlement proceeding. So like I said, Tim Fisher and Ted Carew, we have a company, I don't know what it is, maybe it's a window washing firm, and we have a terrible incident and somebody falls to their death. And as a result of the settlement proceeding and all that, we agree to implement a managed fall protection system and a management program. And which one are you going to use? Well, you're going to probably use our ANSI ASSC Z359.2 standard for managed fall protection. So why does it matter? I think those are three good examples of how standards are used. And there's no question that standards impact what our people do in the workplace. So a windy answer, but I think hopefully I did give you what you were looking for on that one. Absolutely, you did. But I think you bring up a good point about the OSHA. A lot of those are from 1970, right? Absolutely. And there's been a lot of things that have changed since 1970, believe it or not, even me. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that looking at that stuff, and you're right, it's about 10 years to get a standard in place and everything like that. So thank you. I think that was a great example. Yeah, it is. I mean, I would say we have an awful lot of ASSC members, and some of them do work for government regulatory agencies or government itself. And they'll tell you that. It's like, hey, we're working hard. We're doing the best we can. But you have to remember that it takes a long time to do these kind of things. That's one thing I would say, too, when we talk about a consensus standard that is an important thing to remember. And that is, and I don't want to use the term easier because that's not the correct term, but I would say maybe we don't face the same amount of roadblocks that you do in a government setting. So there's no question that we can update our standards, I think, in a faster and more efficient method. That doesn't mean the government system is wrong. It's meant to be that way, but it's a different system. I would agree with you. I mean, you can definitely get it done a lot quicker than the government can. So, Tim, kind of what you're saying, that explanation, you're going above and beyond just the compliance. So sometimes we think just do what we need to do to get it done, but this is going above and beyond to that next step to just really do a good job in this area. Is that kind of a good way to sum it up for listeners? Yeah, I think that's a good example. So if we're talking fall protection, there's OSHA fall protection standards under CFR 1910 and 1926. And the states have things as well. And, you know, if you're on a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers site, you're going to use the Army Corps things. But if you're looking at B-359 and new products and ways to do things, and what I mean by product is not the Tim Fisher company. It's a product that's new. So leading edge equipment is a good example for that. So a lot of those areas have not really been addressed in regulation yet. So, yeah, I like to think that it's above and beyond. But I also think a lot of times it's a little bit more along the lines of cutting edge. Sure. Yeah, that's great. So are these standards used only, you mentioned like litigation, are they used only for litigation? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So one of the big things that we get a lot of questions on is, are these standards used as a way to skewer 
employers and organizations. And the truth is actually that our standards, I think the litigation I see, is usually used more by the organization and a company or individual in order to show that, that, hey, they did the best they could. So can it be used in litigation? Yes. And has it been used by both sides? Absolutely. But it's not only used in litigation. I mean, you'll see our standards used in an awful lot of work agreements and construction is a good example on that. So once again, we're building a dam and you and I are the project that, what do we want to say? I think of the general contractor, but in this case, we're building a dam. So it's even more than that, I would say. Somebody could disagree with me, but that's the term I'm going to use. And so as a result of the contract that we reach, perhaps with a government agency, we will agree to do, we will use standards A, B, C, and D in addition to anything that deals with compliance. So maybe fall protection, those type of things. So litigation, yes. Contract agreements, yes. To show compliance with government, yes. Another good example is the ISO global standards are used very, very often as far as import and export. So very, very common there as well. I love the way you use examples. That really helps me understand things. I'm sure that's very helpful to our listeners too. I agree. I think the examples are always a great thing to have. I know a lot of contracts, Tim, I've obviously been in uh, construction for over 25 years. And you're right. A lot of that stuff is in with a lot of the owners and the different clients that we've worked with over the years. They have a lot of that stuff in there because they want their jobs or projects to be safe. And they also want to be free from liability. So they put a lot of that in there. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good comment. That, I mean, there's just a lot of that. So you'll see a lot of that. I keep harping on fall protection. That's one area. Ventilation is another one where I see that done quite often. If you're talking construction, a lot of our standards are used and are specifically listed. Uh, so the Army Corps of Engineers, for example, they will talk about our standards in trenching and shoring, some of the stuff that we've done with concrete reinforcement, that type of thing. They will specifically say, hey, you will follow, or I should be careful on that one when I say follow. You need to reference this type of standard, and they'll be listed in there. Carrying conservation is another one that our stuff is used for construction demolition. So it really kind of runs the gambit on what the organization, the company of the agency wants to do. But if it's one thing I would say for people on the call, too, is to remember it's just not meant to be a fewer or a way to try to put an organization in a bad light. It's actually the opposite of what we're trying to do. Tim, why is it so crucial to know the different year versions of the ones that we're referencing with the standard? It's interesting. You and I had talked about that. So for people listening, I want them to be aware. This is an absolutely critical thing. So if it's one thing I would say for people also listening, I've been beating a little bit of a dead horse on certain things. <laughs> but when we talk about standards, you got to know the year. So true story, in the last week, I had a call from somebody that was looking to buy a piece of equipment that met one of our standards from 19, I think it was 87. Now think about that for people that are listening to the podcast. Are you really going to look for a piece of equipment that was based on a standard that was written in 1987? No. Um, obviously, <laughs> you're going to have a problem on that one because there's new versions out and that type of thing. And consensus standards change. A good example is with the gas code. Do you want to go out and buy equipment for something that meets a standard 50 years ago? No. So it's actually critical that you know the year of the standard because that's what's going to guide you as to what you're looking for, both from a management perspective and potentially a compliance perspective. And of course, to make sure that you have the most current stuff. And I've seen this. So the organization that had called me, they were looking to spend a very significant amount of money to purchase equipment on a standard that was over 30 years old. And so when they talked to him, like, well, I personally wouldn't do that. There's equipment out right now, which meets the standard, which is three years old. 30-year difference, basically. So that's a very important thing. And also, if we're talking about import and export, you want to make sure that you are meeting the standards 
that are most current because what's going to happen, for example, if you're exporting to Europe, for example, and they require an EU standard, uh, you don't want to be producing a product or material that meets something that's 15 years old. If it's one thing I would say for people on this call is take a look and make sure that you have the most current document that you're referencing and using. could save you a lot of money and time. Yeah, that seems very critical. Along those lines, how do you interpret a standard name? That's a good question. So when we interpret a standard, why does it really matter to people here and what's the importance of it? So it is important. ANSI is the organization that puts together basically accreditation. And what they do is they allow organizations like ASSP to put together national committees that write standards. So why does it matter? So when we're talking about how you look at a standard, understand what you're looking at. So let's say ANSI ASSP Z117.1, and I think it's 2016 or 2017, is the year that standard, it's our confined spaces standard. So if you see ANSI up front, that means it's an American national standard. So you know if it is an ANSI standard. One other thing, which I'm not trying to completely digress, but this is important. A lot of American national standards don't have the ANSI name in front of it. Most NFPA standards, for example, are ANSI standards, but NFPA is so well known that they don't put the ANSI name in front of it. So I just didn't want to include that so people are aware. But back to what we're talking about. So if you see ANSI ASSP, ANSI is the organization that, that accredited the committee. ASSP, and this is important, that means that that's the organization that put together the committee and is responsible for the definitive content of the standard. So if you got a technical issue, you know that it's ASSP you have to go to. Then you see Z117. Now, it's been many years, but a Z standard for many, many years was a safety standard under ANSI. Now, that's changed a little bit. But if you see Z in a standard like that, there's still a good chance you know it's a safety standard. 117.1 is basically the number and nomenclature for a confined space standard. And this is important for people. So point one means it's the first standard in that series if there is a standard, if there is a series. But this is important because if you're looking at that, you see Z117.1-52, then you know that there's 51 standards ahead of it. And you might need to get a different one. And then finally, there's the year. And that's important. So if I would have said Z117.1-1989, so you knew from looking at it, it was an American national standard. You know that ASSP is responsible for the definitive content of it. You know that it's the first standard in the series that deals with confined spaces. And then you see 1989. That should make your eyes go up right away. Wow, 1989. I wonder if there's a newer version out there. And so that's why that's important. And that's how you would basically look at a standard and go from there. I think that's a good breakdown, though. Like you've said, you've given a lot of good bullet points for listeners to take away from today's episode and the way you broke that down. It is very helpful because sometimes you can look at something and if you don't know the meaning behind how it was created, it doesn't do you much good. Tim, why do you think uh, health and safety professionals should be interested in participating in some of these committees? Well, I got to be careful once again how I say this. I don't want people to take it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> but this is an area that OSPROs can have direct insight into the technical issues of the hazards and exposures that they're trying to remediate and control. And what an opportunity. So that's what we're looking to do here. And they have a really good way to do that, or perhaps they might not. Government studies, for example, can you comment on standards and get involved and all that? Yes, but a lot of times it's after the fact. Correct. This gives you the chance to be there up front. Yeah, and to get involved, like we always talk about as safety professionals, right? Exactly. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. 
as you know, I'm the positive safety coach. And now we're going to have a little fun with you and see how you do on some of our creative jokes, as we like to say. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I'll give it a shot. Ready as you'll ever be. <laughs> well, this first one, you don't even need to participate. It's a one-liner. And here we go. Let's hear it. Two guys walked into a bar. The third guy ducked. <laughs> I like it. Do you like that one? I know. It's, it's a safety one, right? I was practicing that one on Ted. <laughs> so uh, here I got one for you to answer here, Tim. What do you call when a group of apes starts a company? A consultant. Monkey business. Monkey <laughs> business. I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. As you know, I'm the positive safety coach. And I also coach football. So I got to ask you this question. Why did the coach go to the bank? Before I answer that question, I want to point out that I was a referee. <laughs> and the coach went to the bank because they were getting ready to get canned and they wanted to make sure the last set got clear. Oh, That's well, a good one. Actually, to get his quarterback. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Thank you for putting up with those jokes. Yes, thank you for being a part of the show. I, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, Tim, how would they do that? Send me an email. I always answer my email. C. Fisher, no C. Yep. C-F-I-S-H-E-R at A-S-S-T dot org. And I'd be happy to talk to them and pontificate on standards and safety anytime. Sounds good. And if anybody wants to participate in some of the committees, also that email? Absolutely. Well, sounds good, Tim. Thank you very much for being on TED Speaks. Thank you, Tim. Have a great day. You too. I appreciate the opportunity and hope to hear from some of your people. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. Thank you.